Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. And if you're a longtime listener, you know that I've had many conversations with John Acuff on this show, and he's back again. This time, he's back to talk about his new book, All It Takes is a Goal. And some of you may recognize this title as the name of John's popular podcast. Well, now he's expanded that concept, and he's sharing his wisdom in the form of a book, And you may be wondering, hey, hasn't John already written a book about goals called Finish? And the truth is, yes. But John believes in the power of optimization. He's continually refining and improving. And this book is all about that middle piece in the transformative life cycle of a goal. And so with years of experience and testing under his belt, John has developed a system that he calls Guaranteed Goals. And this system helps you set actionable and tactical goals and ensures progress and success. So throughout this conversation, he talks about his journey, unveiling the concept of the goal ladder, where each rung represents a step towards our aspirations. He's sharing personal stories, practical examples, and it's all about tapping into that potential that we have. So whether you've struggled living up to your potential, like most of us will say that we are not doing, or you've got too many goals to handle, or you simply just want to optimize your life, this episode is packed with valuable insights and transformative strategies, and the book expands so much more into that. Before we dive into the conversation, make sure you're signed up for our new newsletter. Each week, you're going to get an announcement and a recap of the latest episode, links to related episodes you might have missed on this show or other shows exclusive content, and our top three weekly finds to supercharge your productivity. It's the perfect companion to this podcast and a great way to stay connected and hit reply to give feedback to me. So just sign up today. Make sure you don't miss out. You can find it over at beyondthetodolist.com. Just drop your email in and you're good to go. All right, now enjoy this conversation with John Acuff. Well, this week, it is my privilege once again to welcome back to the show, John Acuff. John, welcome back to Beyond the To-Do List. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is like my third or fourth or maybe in fifth time. So I appreciate you letting me come back on again and again. Yeah, I can't count. I know, you know, we were talking earlier, again, we're in the 11th year of this show, which kind of floors me, but I know you were in at like year one and a half and I remember I saw you speaking in Indianapolis. You were with Dave Ramsey at the time, and I came up to you to like shake your hand, and you said Eric Fisher, and I'm like, okay, you have no reason to know my name. So that kind of floored me. I don't think I ever told you that, but it was like, oh, that's awesome. That was an instant like first impression that like locked in for life. So, <laughs> oh, very fun, very fun. I love that. I love that. No, you've never told me that before. That's a fun memory. Yeah. So I think we talked pretty recently though, because we talked about the book you did with your daughters about your new playlist. Yep. And I think then before that it was soundtracks and. Yep. 
And actually, that's the fun thing here is I'm kind of curious, you know, being a longtime reader and listener and just fan, I guess, whatever, of your stuff. You have a new book out. It's called All It Takes is a Goal, The Three-Step Plan to Ditch Regret and Tap into Your Massive Potential. And thing is, is some people, one, they're going to recognize All That It Takes is a Goal is the name of your podcast. And then two, some people are going to say, oh, goals. Wait, didn't John already write a book about goals? And I would say yes and no. This is different and the same. So I guess that's my starting real question here is you wrote a book called Finish, which we talked about. And that was all about goals, setting them and achieving them. Why do we need another book on goals, let alone another book on goals from John Acuff? That's a great question. I always say I needed it first. So any book I do is based from me experiencing something and saying, wow, I want to change this. I want to grow this. I want to try this. I want to test this. So what happened for me, and this is how the book starts, took my oldest daughter to college on a college tour in Birmingham, Alabama, the college I went to, Sanford, where my wife went to. And we were both standing there on the quad. And my wife, Jenny, was like, wasn't college the best? And I was having the opposite experience. I was seeing this this train wreck of my four years there, like underperformed, got rejected from every fraternity, rightfully so, like just didn't live up to my potential. And as we drove home to Nashville, I just felt this great sense of regret. But I had just written soundtracks. So I knew... I have the power to change my mindset. Like I get to choose that. So I said, okay, that's not a helpful mindset. What would be even better than that? And I realized, okay, those were four years and they weren't great, but I might live for 40 or 50 more years. What if I could focus on the future? What if I could tap into the potential I currently have? And that's where I got curious. And then I did the second thing I do when I write a book is I ask other people if they need it too. And when I did that with this PhD, who's a professor here in Nashville, Mike Peasley, we asked 3,000 people and 96% said they're not living up to their potential. And so then I had the second kind of piece of the puzzle for me. And then I went to the marketplace. I always test the marketplace to go, is it already overdone? And there just weren't a ton of books that had practical, tactical ways to tap into potential. There was a lot of like high level, like believe in yourself, like turn a frown upside down. Like you just got to have a desire But I like to read and write books that answer the question, what do I do with this on a Tuesday? So I felt like I had the three elements that were worthy of me spending years working on a topic. And then I also felt like I've learned a lot since other books came out. So if you said to me, okay, John, it's 2023. You wrote Start in 2012. Like, Have you learned other things in 11 years? And I would say, yeah, I've I've actually worked with 29,800 people on goals and here's things I've consistently seen. Or I've actually, you know, here's what I would do differently. Here's what I would add to the conversation. So for me, it felt like a continuation of goals. And I would say to you, like, I think the pressure is people think they have to know their thing before they do their thing. And I don't think that's true. So we say, like you hear the phrase entrepreneurs say it all the time, you got to niche to get rich. You got to know your micro niche. I think that's garbage advice. It's kind of like saying to somebody, you've never tasted food. What's your favorite food? And you'd go, well, I've never, like, I've never had a single ingredient. Okay, fine. Is it Italian? Is it sushi? Like, what's your favorite meal? And you go, I've never had a meal. And so for me, I'm, you know, I guess if you look at 2008 as kind of when I started to really think about these ideas, I'm 15 years in and now I can say with confidence, goals are the thing I love the most and everything I do will relate to goals in some fashion. 
So Soundtracks was a mindset book, but it was really a goal book. It fit under that goal umbrella of, I have this goal to have a better mindset. How do I do that? So now I'm looking at life through that lens of, can I take this thing I desire and make it a goal? So all it takes is a goal is me saying, if you have a desire, if you really want it to happen, all you have to do, all it takes is a goal. I'll show you how to build that whatever that thing is, then all of a sudden you start to accomplish goals and you feel great. So it's really, yeah, I would say it's a culmination of the last 15 years for me of working on goals in my own life and with lots of other people. Yeah. And I think back to that book, Start, and I think of that as more of a book for people who are serial starters. They start a thing and they don't finish it and they leave in the wake behind them all these unfinished projects or New Year's resolutions. If you subscribe to that ideal or you know those kinds of things, they leave that in their wake and they're kind of sick and tired of doing that. And so it's not just about, sorry, I said start. I mean, finish. <laughs> it's a different book. That's the funny thing. You've got a book called Start. You've got a book called Finish. Yeah. It's funny. When I have an author that I follow, you can see the thought line, the through path through all of them, you know, their thought progression. Well, think about Tim Ferriss, four hour work week. And then he's like, four hour chef, four hour body. Like he said, okay, wow, I care about optimization. So what does that look like in other factions of my life? Where for me, I care about the entire life cycle of a goal. And I go, okay, what, you know, if there's start, if there's finish, like this, you know, this book could kind of be the middle book. Okay. Like how do you yeah. make it through a big, now nobody's going to buy a book named middle, like, cause we don't like the middle makes us uncomfortable. So this book for me was like, okay, if I thought about from here to there, how do I accomplish that? And how do I, you know, actually do that in a tactical way? And I honestly couldn't have written this book as my first book. Like, so one of the concepts that I think people will be surprised by is this idea of like guaranteed goals. Like you can figure out a way to, to do guaranteed goals. I couldn't have written that first book because I didn't have nine books of evidence. Like now when somebody says, I don't know, like, are you sure I can be like, well, I've used this system. This is my ninth book. I'll turn in my 10th book the week this one comes out. So like, I've just now, like, I've got a momentum that I feel honest about that I can speak to and go, well, here's how, like, when people ask me, how are you writing so many books? I go, well, I, I make them goals and here's, here's what that system looks like. And I think you can do it too in any part of your life. Now I feel like I've got X amount of years of experience and testing and working on it with other people. I feel good enough about that concept to put that concept in a book. If this was book one and I wrote a chapter on guaranteed goals. I wouldn't have enough experience to say, here's why I believe in this. I would say, I hope this is true. But I feel like 15 years in, I'm like, no, this is true. This works. You're going to love this. Yeah, I think that's a great insight in terms of this being called middle, because I think in a lot of ways, finish is a practical book. It's an inspirational book. It's a, mm -hmm. oh, you know what? You've been derailed and sidetracked so many times from finishing, from complete. You're good at starting. You have lots of great ideas. Yeah. You're inspirational in that sense. You get inspired. You start a thing. You just don't finish it. And here's why. That was a lot of research-based. Here's why. And here's how to circumvent that, which, again, a lot of that, secretly enough, clicked when Soundtracks came out. I was like, well, duh. This is what John's been doing the whole time when he's been writing is that, you know, notice a thing, assess a thing, flip it, and then move forward that process. Well, so for me, like middle, here's how I think about middle. Like I talk about kind of this concept of a goal ladder. And as I've been thinking about this book, that keeps coming back. And what I mean by that is most people, when they have a goal, have a 12-foot ladder with only two rungs. 
So there's the start, the bottom rung, and then there's the top one. So they go, Eric, I want to do a podcast. I want a million downloads, or I want to run a marathon. I want to make a million dollars, whatever. And they have this ladder and it's impossible to use because it's only got a bottom rung, then one at 12 feet high. And you think, I guess I just have to jump and try to touch that and pull myself up. And it's two feet higher than a basketball rim, but maybe I can reach it. And this book for me is what if we added rungs six inches apart the entire ladder? Like, could you climb that ladder then? Like, could you get to the top of that with some easy goals at the bottom, some middle goals, and then some guaranteed goals at the top? I think that'd be a really fun really doable ladder. Let me help you translate, you know, the space between the very top and the very bottom. That's what's been fun for me is. So and I'll give you an example of that. Like I had a goal to be, I wanted to be a better friend. I realized I tend to isolate sometimes and I, I hide out. Like when I travel, I do that where like, I'm now one of my goals is when I go to a city, I'm trying to find somebody to have dinner with like somebody I know I'm not doing like, I'm too much of an introvert to do the like, meet me at a coffee shop and just have like 20 random people. But like I have friends in cities and instead of hiding in my hotel room, I want to go interact with them. So I made a goal to be a better friend, but that's too vague. It's too fuzzy. That's a good, like very top goal, but I needed some rungs. And one of the rungs became, I encourage one person every day for 30 days in a row. So I did it as a goal. And every day I would, I made a list of the people beforehand because I didn't want to get on day four and go, okay, who should I, who, like, I wanted to plan it like a goal and nobody ever responded and said, I wish you hadn't said this today. I wish you hadn't encouraged me. This is the worst day to get this. 90% of them said the opposite. They said, you have no idea how much I needed this today. Like, and now I'm like, what if I do that with my kids? What if I just try that for 30 days? Like this morning, my daughter, my youngest daughter got up and I said, you know, you did this really brave thing the other day that I noticed. Like that was so like, I couldn't have done that in high school. That was so brave. So now I'm going to try it with my kid doing it 30 days in a row. Like, so that's what I mean by, I had this big goal, be a better friend, be connected to people. But in order to me to execute on it in a tactical, actionable way, I had to turn it into a goal. And guess what happens at the end of the 30 days? I'm guaranteed to be a better friend than if I hadn't done the goal. If I encourage 30 people, heck, if I do it for a quarter and I encourage 90 people, I am guaranteed to be closer in relationship at the end of that. So that to me is a guaranteed goal that gets me really fired up versus going, I feel lonely I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Well, you're addressing here one of the biggest things when it comes to goals that people have problems with. And this is common knowledge to a certain extent. It's like we have these things that we want and then we don't make goals to begin with. But then again, when we make a goal, we make it so vague. And again, we cut out all those middle rungs. That's why this book is I see this book is kind of like a honestly a, one of your more practical books. Not that they haven't been in the past, but this one's uber practical, I guess, to an even greater extent, because it's like the manual for getting through the messy middle when it comes to goals. That, and that was, you know, for me, I tried to balance the inspiration and instruction. It's always a balance of those two things. The fun part for me about this, and you and I have talked about this before because we've had a long relationship, is that my books changed when I started to test the ideas before I put them in books. The last place the idea goes is a book. The book was going to live for a while. So what happens is I have this idea. I come up with some tools. I test them in my own life. If I feel like they're valuable, I then test them in an online community. And so what makes me excited about this book and the books I write is that there are 40 real stories from 40 real people that say, here's how I did this. This is what it did for me. 
And so I'm not guessing and hoping the ideas work. I'm saying, okay, I've tested them with real people just like you who poked holes in them and said, that would never work in my life. This was, and you can tell when a book hasn't had the benefit of that. Like I always say, like you can tell when something is technically true, but not practically true. Like I don't like a book that I, I talked to a guy just the other day. It was like, man, I read this thing and it said I should start every morning with two hours of reading and meditating. But like I've got a two year old and a five year old. Like, I can't. And so the person that wrote that wrote something technically true. If you start your day with two hours of reading every day, you're going to be smarter. That's technically true. That's not practically true for 99% of the world. And so what I like is that I have these ideas and then I test them with real people so that by the time the book comes out and people go, hey, I tried that and it worked. I'm confident it's going to work because other single moms, other retirees, other college students already kicked that idea around for months and months and months. And then it's in the book. So I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one works because like we tested it. It's not a guess. I have a lot of fun when I'm able to do that. It takes longer. Like it's a process, but I think the end result is better. Yeah. And the great thing is, is those testings, that confirmation is coming from not just a single sliver of a demographic, but it's across all those different types of people. I get a lot of people who say, yeah, productivity is great. And I love all the things that you talk about with your guests, but like sometimes it's not practical. And I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. And that's why I try to find things like this book that are applicable because they're not, again, technically true is one thing, practically true. Practical application is where actual progress, momentum, et cetera, comes from. And again, you're tapping into, and I've already validated that you had like, what, 3,000 people who said they, what was it, only 4% of those 3,000 people said they felt like they were living up to their potential. And I think anybody hearing this right now is probably lumping themselves in with that other 96%. And even I would throw myself oh, in. Oh, yeah, there. yeah. I'm not, yeah, I would I would not say, you know, for me, it's been a process. There's moments in my life where I can go, yeah, I'm living out of my potential there. But there's also like, here's an example. So I got stuck between finish and soundtracks. And what I mean by stuck was I stopped writing. What I've discovered in my own life, and I think this is true for a lot of people, when you don't do a hard thing, it only gets harder. Like every day you stack on it, it only gets harder. So whether that's going to the gym, recording your podcast, whatever, and like it gets harder and then you get afraid of it. And so like, then I got afraid of writing and it like, it just kept stacking, kept stacking, kept stacking. And I started to see this, these years pile up and my wife really kind of pulled me aside one day and was like, Hey, um, if you keep going at this rate, you'll only get to write like four more books. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, well, if you take three to four years between books and then how your book deals are structured, you could write until you're 80. The math is only going to be like four to six books. And I thought, oh my gosh, like there's a real cost to this. And I wasn't living out of my potential. So then I really started to turn writing into a goal. And that's where, you know, again, it went soundtracks, your new playlist, all it takes is a goal. I'll have another book come out next year. That's a teen version of all it takes is a goal. So we'll have four years in a row of four books versus one book every four years. So that's where I'm like, Dude, if you can do a little of the stuff in this book, like you get to do so many fun things and you're capable of that. I didn't know when I was stuck for four years in that kind of funk, I didn't know I was capable of a book a year. I had no idea about that. Like, and I had to grow into that. But I think that everybody listening to this is capable of more than they think. And I'm not saying let's beat ourselves up about that. I'm saying let's try that. The metaphor in the book that I really liked was that 50% of people said that 50% of themselves is untapped, which is like only opening half your Christmas presents every year. 
Like imagine like when you think about potential, I want you to imagine walking downstairs on Christmas morning and there's a huge pile and you only open half of them and you've got friends, you've got family members, maybe coworkers even are like, Hey, those, like we see those other gifts in you. Like those are yours. And you pull back for a variety of reasons. Imagine how much richer life would be, how much more joy you'd have if you started to open up the rest of the gifts. And that's what I hope this book is, is a chance for other people to open up all the gifts they have. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. All right, so I know number 10 is next year, but let's just go with that number 10 for a second. Yeah. I want to call attention to something that I think maybe people haven't noticed here. When was book number one? What year was that? Book number one would have been 2010. Okay, so we're talking 10 books over the course of 13 years. Yeah. 14 years. because 14 year. years, yeah, it'll be 14 so, yeah. years. Yeah. So zero books the first 34 years of my life. I'm trying to call attention to these different shifts here. So zero books for the first 34 years and yeah. then 14 additional years where you did 10. And even in the midst of that, after you'd done, if I'm counting correctly, six of them. Yeah. Five or six of where them. Where you yeah. got stuck somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. And then you, you know, your wife had the intervention like you described. 
then you move forward. Like even you who had, you know, done the first 34 years and, you know, late bloomer, et cetera, like you just self-describe, then you get started and you make progress. And most people, they'd be glad to have had the five or six. Yeah, totally. And then at that point, even though you had the five or six, you had that moment of getting stuck and then overcame that and then came through with now one a year, which is, you know, for most people, they're like, that's unprecedented. I can't do that. But it's like, again, you look at it macro, not micro in the moment, but macro over the course of time. And it's like, dude, 10 books in 14 years is amazing. Well, and that's the thing for me, like once I kind of realized my wife was right and it, like, I never want to, Sometimes what happens in speeches or in podcasts is you speed up the progress and it's really short time frame. So like that wasn't that in the moment she said that to me, I said, you're so wise. I'm so glad we married each other. You're my love language. Like I was frustrated. I was like, no, that's not true. Like I pushed back on it. But when I had enough time, enough wisdom to kind of sit with it, I had to write myself out of that funk. I wrote a 50,000 word book that'll never see the light of day. And it was just like, funny essays, funny insights. I would go to a coffee shop for three hours. Like I had to write myself out of that funk. Like it took a bunch of work. So it wasn't like I just flipped the switch then. It was still like, it's going to take work. What does this look like? But I, you know, for me, given enough time, there's very few things you can accomplish. If somebody had told me at the beginning of the journey, this will take 14 years, 10 years, I would have been so discouraged. I would have been so demoralized. Like, but I didn't look at it that far out. I was like, okay, what can I do today? What can I do this week? What can I maybe even do this month? And I just kept chipping away at them. I get, I just kept climbing that ladder. And so what happens is you look up when you're in the middle of the ladder and you can actually start to see the thing and you're like, oh, I can do this. Like if somebody told you 11 years ago, you're going to have to do this podcast for 11 years, that wouldn't have been an encouraging statement. Like that would have felt overwhelming. And so I think, I think when we are able to kind of do the ladder bit by bit, stuff starts to happen and you go, Oh man, I didn't, you know, like there's events I get to speak at that I'm so glad took 10 years to happen because I wouldn't have been ready. I thought I was ready 10 years ago. I had this ego and like, I can do it. And now when I finally get some of these opportunities, I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad it took so long because. I wouldn't have made the most of this, you know, but I've been, I've just kept climbing that ladder and I'm trying to get people to get on their ladder. Cause I think it's really fun. Well, let's talk about that ladder. Let's talk about this process a bit in the book. You've got it broken up into four sections, the list, the zones, the fuel, the promise. Obviously we're not going to cover everything that's in all of those, but maybe give a little bit of an overview of what those sections are. Yeah. So the list is really about figuring out kind of what you care about the most. My favorite part of the book is this exercise called the best moments list, where you figure out the things you care about the most. And it's this counterintuitive way to kind of come up with a life plan. And what happens when you do it, you automatically go, I want more of that. It transitions from here's what you've done in the past to here's what you want to do in the future. And it's this really fun life tool. So then the zones is really answering the question, I kept coming back to this idea that just because you're a high performer doesn't mean you're a high achiever. Like I kept seeing that in my own life and other lives where we've all known people who are capable of sporadic performance, but never turn it into long-term sustainable change. And I kept researching that. And what I found is that high performers tend to bounce between three different zones. So the comfort zone on one end of the line, the other end of the line, though, the thing we never talk about is the chaos zone. And in the middle is the potential zone. So the comfort zone, we all know that one. You get stuck. It's easier in a rut. We talk about that one constantly, especially online. 
But the opposite of that, which is where I think more high performers struggle than anywhere else. And by the way, anybody listening to this is a high performer. We often think there are other special people like low performers don't listen to podcasts like this. Like they don't even know this category exists. So just by the nature of you listening, like congratulations, you're a high performer, but it doesn't mean you'll be a high achiever because sometimes what happens is we get in the chaos zone, which is where we try to do everything all at once. So we feel stuck and we get inspired around New Year's resolutions or we listen to a podcast or we go to an event and we go, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to spend more time with my kids. I'm going to pay off credit card debt. I'm going to, I'm doing it all this weekend and it's chaos and nothing ever happens. And you just go back to the comfort zone. That's why we have the phrase yo-yo diet in our country because people yo-yo back and forth. And in the middle is the potential zone, which is kind of like the Goldilocks zone. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's just right. And so then from the zones, I go into how do you navigate those? Okay. So like, it's one thing to say the comfort zone is a challenge. So you navigate that with easy goals. You get yourself out of the comfort zone with easy goals. You avoid the chaos zone with middle goals. The chaos zone is all, you got to do it right now. Like, it's funny to me. I was talking to somebody about weight loss the other day. It's funny to me in certain goals, we know they take time and in other goals, we demand they're fast. So weight loss, we want fast, like health, we want fast, but nobody goes, I'm going to learn Italian this weekend. Like this weekend, I'm going to figure out Italian. Like they don't say that even like this week, they don't say that this month. Like they don't even say that in six months. We're like, I'll be fluent in Italian by the, eh, probably by the fall. Like they know that's going to take time. And that's true of every goal. So a middle goal says, whoa, 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 whoa. we're not going to learn all of Italian this week. Like we're going to have some middle goals that have some progress. And then you stay in the potential zone with guaranteed goals. So one of mine that I talk about in the book is I'm going to sell a million copies of my books. Now, I didn't make that goal at the beginning. That would have been egotistical. It would have been overwhelming. Like I hadn't sold a single book to say a million would have been like, whoa, but once I started climbing the goal ladder, I started writing books. I looked up and I was like, wow, I, I think I could do this thing. Like it's a stretch. Like I've never had a, a runaway hit where it's like it sold 500,000 copies. But if I consistently put in the work and consistently release books, it's going to be impossible for me not to sell a million copies total. Like that's just math. So that's what a guaranteed goal is, is, okay, how do I go from easy to middle to guaranteed? So that's kind of, I mean, that's a pretty broad overview of what the sections are. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think that's, that gives a little bit of an example as to, as I was hearing you say all that, I was like, well, right there, basically that's where most people find themselves with that book finish is like, I want to do all the things and they're going to do all the things all at once. And then none of it works out. Like not just do seven of the 10 things fall away, all 10 of them fall away. Everybody I've ever talked to, nobody comes to my stuff without goals. Everybody I ever talked to has more goals than they can possibly do. So it's not like their problem isn't I don't have a single goal. It's that I have a hundred goals. Which one should I do? How should I do them? And, and sometimes people say to me, okay, uh, how many goals should I do at one time? And people want a specific answer. And I, I like life to have specific answers, but I can't say 4.8 or 6.7. But what I do say is as many as you can, like do as many as you can successfully, like as long as they're not competing. So if somebody said to me, I want to spend more time with my kids and I want to travel more for work this year, like those are competing goals. Like if you say, I want to be gone for 250 days a year and I also want to have a closer relationship with my husband, wife, kids, like those are competing. 
But what I mean is like, okay, have a goal for like, we talk about five games in the book, like have a career goal, have a financial goal, have a relationship goal, have a health goal, have a fun goal, like have goals for sections of your life that aren't in competition, but that move you forward in different ways. And then the fuel section was really about, okay, how do I keep going? How do I make it sustainable? So if I'm going to do these things, I need to have fuel for the journey. If I'm going to have big goals that, you know, a guaranteed goal we talk about takes like up to a year sometimes, maybe longer. How am I going to sustain that? And so we talk about there's four different types of fuel that will help you. And then there's also negative fuels. Like I, for a long time, used anger and stress and fear and chaos as a fuel. And it helped me accomplish some stuff, but man, it was burning me out. And we've all been around leaders that use those fuels and it's just, it ends up being really harmful and you don't get to enjoy it. I mean, that's how you end up at like 75 and you can't retire because like you've got such a stranglehold on the power thing and you like your fuel has always been like, I got to prove people wrong. And like some of the people are dead. Like you're trying to be like, I got to prove to my dad that I'm great at whatever. Your dad isn't even alive anymore. And you're like, oh no, you need some fuels that are going to sustain you. That's the fuel section. Yeah. In a recent newsletter, you were talking about four soft skills that make hard goals easier. And you mentioned, let's see, resilience, self-awareness, flexibility, and patience. I'm curious, those all feel kind of like a working out of that fuel section in a way, not exclusively, but in a way. How do those work out? I mean, in other words, again, resilience, self-awareness, flexibility, and patience, those are all things that you basically have to have in order to make it through this middle section? Yeah. So for me, like patience, say patience, I'll practice patience. So an example that would be like, there's an author, Gay Hendricks. He wrote this book, The Big Leap. And like one of the things he talks about is having two folders, things I control and things I don't control. And he's like, have physical folders, do that or have them mentally. So like when something happens outside of your control, be like, I'm going to file that one away. Like, I'm not going to spend a lot of time or a lot of anger on that. I want to try to force it. Like I have to have patience in this situation because I don't control it. For me, like when it comes to resilience, I define resilience as the ability to try again, to the ability to try again when it didn't go the way you hoped it would go. And so I'm learning to be way more open-handed with results because the results often don't go how I want them to go. And also, you know, for me, patience, like being patient with yourself. I was just, yesterday I wrote down like, how fast can I forgive myself? Like I made a mistake. I made, like I made a mistake. I apologize for it. The person was like, no problem. Like they forgave me, but how fast can I forgive myself? Like, can I have patience with myself? Like, and then I wrote down like, how silly is it to hold a grudge against yourself? Like we hold grudges against ourselves. Like that doesn't make sense, you know? And so then I was like, okay, I'll turn that into a goal. Again, like all these things, when I find something that I go, I think that could be better. I have a desire there. I want to tweak that. I want to open that gift. Okay, for me to say patience, how can I practice that? So this is the dumbest one. I'll give you the silliest one that happened this morning. Like this is fresh. So I have a pull-up bar in my backyard attached to a tree. Like we don't have a house where there's a room you can work out in. Like, so the pull-up bar is against the tree. It's very rocky for, like, I feel like I'm going to fight Drago. But so dude, you live, like, you understand like hot places. Like it's hot and humid here in Nashville. Like, 
and the mosquitoes are out of control. Like they're these tiger mosquitoes that I don't know what kind they are, but they're the worst. So I keep getting bit out on that tree and I'm a naturally negative person. So I have to practice positivity. Like by nature, I'm pessimistic, cynical, jaded, whatever. But I, I like the results of positivity more than negativity. So I practice it. So this morning I was like, I was getting lit up by these mosquitoes doing pull-ups and I was like, okay, well, how do I practice positivity in this stupid moment? And I was like, you know what? These mosquitoes are actually helping me go faster. Like I'm taking less breaks. I'm working through the set list faster. I'm not like screwing around. Like I'm going faster. I was like, okay, the mosquitoes are encouraging me to go faster in my workout and actually get it done. I was like, cool. Thanks for the help, mosquitoes. Like, and I laughed about that and that was silly. And so, but it was another small way to practice positivity where if somebody says to you be positive i don't even know what to do with that like turn a frown upside down like but if somebody says like hey when you have a moment that's annoying see if you can find a way that it's actually for you so all of a sudden i'm like oh man these mosquitoes are just like you got this we're gonna bite you a bunch unless you unless you speed up and i was like i gotta finish this that's how silly i get with this stuff but man it's way more enjoyable to live life that way yeah, the cloud of micro fitness coaches right there. Like, exactly. They're like, you can do you. it. My little David Goggins and Jocko <laughs> Wilnick's out there. Just go for it, dude. Go for it. Oh, man. Yeah, you were talking a second ago about resilience. And I think that you have this term called the day after perfect. What does that mean? Yeah. So the day after perfect is the day it hasn't worked. So you have this streak. Everybody in a goal has this moment where like it's working and they're doing it and they've got a streak and they're checking all the boxes and they've gone to the gym and they've meal prepped or they've batched their podcast and they're recording a bunch. And then something happens sometimes inside your control, sometimes outside your control, and it's no longer perfect. And in that moment, you've got the choice to practice resilience. In that moment, like that's when real finishers are made because everybody runs into the day after perfect. I've never gone 365 for 365 in a year, like where I've been like, I did the entire year. I've always had hiccups. I've always, I mean, we talked about the gap between two books. Like that was obviously, it would be small to call that a hiccup. That was just a career rut. And so the day after perfect is when you know it hasn't worked and you still try again and you prepare for it. I know, Eric, every goal that I ever do in the middle, I go, this is dumb anyway. This is stupid. This doesn't matter. Like there's going to be moments like that in every goal. If you don't think there are, you're not ready for them. So when they happen, you think it's you. You go, I must, I'm doing something wrong. I shouldn't feel this way. Like other people that do goals don't feel this way. And I'm like, nah, every goal in the middle, I'm like, this is dumb. Why am I doing this? I'm going to be ready for that. Like I'm not going to be surprised by it a 50th time. It happens every time to me. Like, so I'm going to be ready for that middle. What does that actually look like for me to be prepared for that? And that's like prepared for the day after perfect. Yeah, man. That's the thing is like that whole Seinfeld, don't break the chain, got to keep the streak thing. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what that kind of, I mean, we've, we've heard that so many times and you know, then you think of, a lot of people think of resilience and they, they equate that with just, you know, words like grit and, you know, grind and beast mode. Yeah. Beast mode. And, and instead of just having grit, like is as a, a dictionary definition, they think gritting their teeth and just like white knuckling through it. And then when it goes off the rails, it's like what you said earlier, how quickly can I forgive myself and how silly would it be for me to hold a grudge of, I have a streak of 20 days to one day 21. It didn't happen. So then day 22, I don't ever pick it back up again. That makes no sense. 
Yeah, but that happens all the time. And so, you know, for me, progress, I know I'm in a healthy spot when I make a mistake on a notebook page and I cross it off and I just start another page versus go, okay, this, I just like even little things like that. So when now, when I do that, the freedom to go, now I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have to start this again. Like, all right, cool. Like, let me see what this looks like. And again, to not get angry about it. You know, the thing I had to like forgive myself for the other day, I realized like, okay, I had to apologize to two different people, two different things I had to apologize for. One was like being a jerk in a meeting and being grumpy about a new idea. And one was I just missed a meeting because I had my schedule all wrong and 100% my fault both times. And so I was like, I'm going to apologize for these things. And I, I wrote down, okay, apologize quickly. Like I know when I need to. Number two, use as few words as possible. Because if I use a lot of words, I start getting into disclaimers, not apologies. Like I start justifying. And number three, focus on my effort, not the results. Like I can't control their response. I can control that I humbly apologize. Like what they write back, if they forgive me or whatever. And so like that was another one of those where instead of beating myself up, I practice day after perfect. I had a great run of these string of meetings. The meetings were going great. I had a great attitude. And in this one meeting, I shot down the idea without listening to it. And I'm trying to get better at that. So I broke the streak. And I have a choice there to be like, son of a, like to really get stuck in it. Or I can go, man, I could learn a lesson about apologizing probably right now. Like, what could that lesson be? Like, what could I learn? And then dude, where it gets fun is you flip it to how could I help other people with this? When I share this with other people, they go, oh man, like probably the part of the podcast that'll be most helpful to people today, at least with my content, is that I got stuck writing books. You know what I mean? Like that's the part people are going to go, oh, thank goodness. Like I, like this guy's like feels like some sort of robot. He makes mosquitoes positive. Like the reality of like there was a four year gap. I think that's what, if I'm a listener, I go, okay, okay. Cause I, I had a 10 year gap and I'm going to jump back in or I had a five year, like we all have those. And if I can process that, not beat myself up and then flip it to where it helps somebody else, all the better. Yeah. Well, and even the people who, again, they lived to 40 something into 50 something before they started doing their thing. Unlike you, who at 34 started doing the thing. Yeah. But even at 47, I'm like, oh man, there's so much I'm still figuring out. Like I got so like, there's so many things I'm such a rookie at. And that now I try to look at as a form of excitement. It's like, there's this crazy thing that happens in goals when as you start to make progress, shame comes in and goes, you should have made this progress 10 years ago. Imagine what college could have been like if you knew this. Imagine what your 20s could have been like. It's not helpful at all. It's such a weird shame trigger where like, as you start to change your life in good ways, shame comes in and goes, I mean, that's it's great. But as a teenager, this would have been even better. And you're like, well, I don't have access to teen me. Like I got access to today me. So let's focus on that. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I know this is going to drop right as the book is about a week out from coming out. People can pre-order it now. So any bonuses? Yeah. Full audiobook. So that to me is always the coolest bonus. And I'm so proud of the publisher for being like brave enough to do that. If you pre-order the book, you get the entire audiobook. So it's not a chapter, it's not a segment. You get the whole audiobook for free. I read it. There's 10 bonus stories in it. There's a bunch of other stuff, like there's a poster and there's a you know book plate that's signed. That stuff's cool too. But for me, as a listener who listens to content, I would be like, ooh, okay. So I get both versions of the book. Let's go. And it's atgbook.com. That's the URL atg.com. Awesome. Yeah. And I got to tell you, you know, as a person who's seen you speak and even seen you do a comedy set yeah. 
in Nashville, like it's great to hear you read your material because you interpret it. It's kind of like when you read the book versus you see the movie. This is actually you performing it, so to speak. Well, so. it's personal material. It'd be yeah. weird if like all of a sudden there was a British guy that right. was <laughs> yes. talking about the mistakes I've made. You know, yeah, this is that'd not Harry weird. Potter. So <laughs> Yeah, that'd be weird. I wish yeah, Jim Dale. Jim Dale reads John Acuff. I couldn't yeah. afford Jim Dale. He's a so. Awesome. Well, John, again, atgbook.com. Yep. Thank you for being back again. We're going to dive in deeper with the next one. So let's go. All awesome. Right. Thanks, Eric. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with John Acuff. I had a blast talking with him as usual. And I got to say, this is a really great book. I mean, again, I was kind of being facetious when I said, why do we need another book on goals? And why do we need another book on goals from John Acuff, who's already written one? But the truth is, we need it. We did. And we do. And this is a great companion piece to finish. And in fact, it it may be something you'd want to check out before finish. So if you've never read finish, this is actually a great place to pick that up. I would also suggest checking out his episodes that I'll link up in the show notes about his previous books, Soundtracks, and Finish. Both will come in handy when working with goals. And make sure to sign up for the newsletter. By the way, you can find that at beyondthetodolist.com. That's also where you can find the show notes. And again, each week you will get an email with an announcement and recap of the latest episode, links to connecting episodes to dive deeper, exclusive content, and again, top three weekly finds to supercharge your productivity or make you think a little bit more about your productivity. And what's great is once you're signed up, once you get those, you can just hit reply and I will get your email so you can give me feedback, suggestions, etc. Sign up today. Make sure you don't miss out. Again, you can find that at beyondthetodolist.com. Also, if you found this episode helpful in any way, I know you know somebody else who needs to hear it. Would you do me the favor and them the favor of sharing this episode with them? You can do that at the show notes where I was just talking about, or you can hit share from wherever you're listening to this, whatever podcast player you're using. Share it with them. Let them know you were thinking of them. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.